Welcome to another episode of Listen and Chill. In this one, we talk to Jess Smith, an entrepreneur, ex-recruiter, job search cheerleader. Note here, that's one of the best titles I've ever come across. Uh, Jess also talks about working for corporate recruiting, transitioning into uh, an entrepreneurial role while still doing what she adores, helping people find their dream jobs. We talk about her vibe, business coaches, consistency in content creation, and much more. Without further ado, it's time to listen and chill. Jess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'd love to talk a little bit more, you know, about your whole journey. But we'll, let's start off with you describing a little bit about yourself, if you could do that. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited sure. to chat and hang out today. Um, so I am a career coach. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I help job seekers to discover their callings um, and lankers that they love by connecting with their inner power. And I feel super privileged to be able to do this type of work because it is my dream job, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like I have to be living my dream job to be helping other people find their dream jobs. And I just feel so fortunate that this is what I get to do every day because it's something that I love and I get to help other people in the process. And it's a lot of knowledge sharing, which I love too, because previous to starting my coaching business, Mm -hmm. I spent four years in corporate recruiting for a fortune 500 company expertise and credibility comes from. Okay. Sweet. So that's, that's how the journey transitions into, but like, again, I think the question I primarily like to ask any entrepreneur is even, you know, you started out with you want to help uh, people out, but the whole mindset shift uh, that happens when you were a recruiter as compared to now when you're an entrepreneur, how did that go about? Yeah. Um, so how did I make the transition? How do you make the transition? Like, I know it's a big leap of faith for a lot of people. So how did, how did you go about that? Yeah. 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 That's a good question. So like I said, I spent four years in the corporate world and right. I loved recruiting. Absolutely loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. I had been coming from a position that was not the right fit for me. So to finally be in something that felt good and like I had a home there was amazing. And so did the recruiting thing. I would say after about my third year in recruiting, um, I started to feel like I had mastered a lot of the different pieces of recruiting and some of it was getting a little transactional for me. So it was kind of like, how many more people can you interview this week? Like how many more people can you get hired? And I would talk to these candidates, which I loved. And then they would kind of like go through the interview process and then, you know, either get hired or rejected. And I wouldn't really get to interact with them necessarily long-term. And so something that I felt was missing in the work that I was doing was I wanted to build deeper relationships because I noticed that was one of the things that I loved most about recruiting was actually building the relationships with my hiring teams because I have to see them on a consistent basis. And so I started to look around internally at the company that I was working for and trying to figure out, okay, what other position could I have here? Cause I love the company, love the culture and the people. What other position could I have here that would satisfy this need that I have to work with people one-on-one and build deeper relationships. And so I spent a lot of time looking at different positions. I thought for a while that I was meant to be on the talent development team. And I went through, you know, kind of the process that I teach people today in discovering what is the right path that you're supposed to be on. So went through this whole process of gathering more information. Basically, the conclusion that I came to was that what I wanted to do was not possible inside of the company. So I actually had a director that eventually said to me, Jess, like what you want to do isn't here. You need to leave and like go be a consultant or go be an entrepreneur. So that was the first moment that that idea had really been put in my mind because I never expected to be an entrepreneur. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's how it's, uh, it, it took one person telling you that, that, you know, that you can maybe, you know, try this path of sorts. So again, a follow up to that. How has the relationship, if you will, with the people you hired, for example, changed to how you do it now? Like, say, for example, you place them in a company six months down the line. Exactly. How, how does that conversation go from there? How is that different from like recruiting only? You mean with my current clients? With the current clients. Yes. Yeah. 
So right now I just support people in the job search stage. Okay. So for example, I had one client that I worked with last year. We worked together for six months, which was amazing. I got to build that long-term relationship with her meeting multiple times a month and, you know, talking in between our meetings as well. So I got to build a really strong relationship with her, but now that she is in her new career that she loves. She's kind of like off on her own. So I keep in touch with them. Um, But yeah, they're kind of flying by themselves at that point. But it's still really rewarding for me because even Mm -hmm. like in a six month period, I can have so many more touch points than just like a 20 minute interview with someone. Right. So I love that piece of getting to know someone and hearing their whole story. Um, And just really experiencing them as a human and helping guide them into something that they're going to be really excited about is really special to me. True. So you do help them like in the building phases. And again, the involvement on this level is way more as compared to what it would have been as a recruiter where you're sort of the end point, you know, sort of the last step that they're, you know, on. And here it's more of, you know, with you in this initial journey. And then, you know, you go on, you go on your own path. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is there, uh, I'm assuming, you know, in, in business like this, referrals are, you know, uh, pretty common. How How is it about, like, uh, I think the term they refer to as customer retention value. Do you have clients maybe coming back after a year or two, or is it just one and done because they find their dream job? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm still pretty early in my entrepreneurial journey. So I've had my journey for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, I could see myself in the future branching out into, I would love to do more like leadership mindset work in the future. Cause that's definitely a huge component of the work that I do now. Right. Like going through a job search is really emotionally and mentally taxing for people. They're dealing with so much rejection and I'm, it's funny because job searching is something that I love, right? But that's weird. Most people don't like job searching. It's a lot of work. And so, it is, yeah. yeah. And so on their end, it's just taxing. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really get to bring in some of those mindset elements to keep them afloat through that process, right? To keep them going. I kind of get to be like a job search cheerleader at times, which is fun and helping fun. shift out of, you know, their negativity funks and stuff. So I could see myself in the future really embracing even more of that type of work. So I could see at that point, you know, previous clients potentially coming back to work together again. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that, that's always good to know, at least, you know, what you're setting out that, okay, they have to find their dream job and they're finding it. So wonderful. Great to hear that. Yeah. Uh, just based off of that, what are the different kind of uh, roles you recruit for or, you know, help them with at this point? <laughs> Is there a special sector or just every all, all around the board? Yeah. So I've been working with people across the board. Um, the work that I do is a lot of it is focused on networking efforts. So a lot of what I'm teaching is how to make connections with people. So it's less industry specific because it's more about human to human connection. So some of the things that I work on with people just had this experience the other day. Someone asked me for a referral. They wanted me to introduce them to people at my previous company. And I hadn't even barely met this person, you know? And so oh, wow. of course I'm not going to introduce them. And so the people don't always like think that through, right? Because they're thinking, oh, I need, I need a referral. Jess might know someone. I'm going to ask her. And so a lot mm-hmm. of the work that I do is teaching people, how can you really cultivate a relationship with someone to get to the point where they actually are willing to refer you into a company where they actually are willing to be an advocate for you. And I think that that is an amazing way to bypass the application process is by making mm-hmm. um, connections. And, you know, I had that experience too with people that reached out to me when I was a recruiter and if they seemed really genuine and came across as being really interested in me as a person, I was so much more likely to connect with that person. And there were definitely a couple Mm -hmm. different people where I became their advocate um, to help them get into the company that I was working for. So um, yeah, to circle back to the question, my, my work isn't industry specific. It's kind of across the board right now because it's more about how are we connecting human to human. It isn't dependent 
on the kind of roles obviously it is dependent more on them building a relationship which i think to an aspect you know from from the difference people i have spoken to when they are talking to a manager for example in a company i think they're able to build a deeper relationship as compared to that with the recruiter because i think with the recruiter they always have this i think they they believe this that the recruiter also knows that they're reaching out to them for a job so in terms of that like a suggestion if you will you know that you would give to someone seeking out a job on how they should approach a recruiter for example because i think their approach is different when they're reaching out to a peer or reaching out to a manager but i think when you see the title recruiter you have this inherent uh, adjustment that they know that you you know reaching out to them for a job so how do you counter that yeah yeah so i actually recommend when people are job searching not to reach out to the recruiters um <laughs> i think that being a recruiter is a very task oriented role so there's the little okay. things that they're doing every day so it's like yeah. interviews meetings tracking things in the applicant tracking system looking at resumes they're super busy yeah. and their job is to get people jobs so they constantly have people coming at them trying to get jobs right so it's kind of like yeah. you're just putting yourself into the white noise of everything else happening in their world so i think okay. the better strategy is actually kind of what you mentioned at the beginning is to reach out to whoever would be the hiring manager for the team that you're looking to be on. So if you want to be on a customer success team, I would recommend tracking down the manager of customer success and reaching out to that person. And I think for two reasons, one, this person, not saying they're less busy, but they they don't have a barrage of people trying to get jobs from them necessarily. Um, so exactly. it's easier to stand out. And two, they actually have the most influence in the process. So if you think about a recruiter, mm -hmm. they're kind of just facilitating the hiring. They're making the lives of the hiring managers easier, but the recruiter is not actually making the decision of who gets hired. That's the team. So if you can kind of bypass the recruiter and go directly to the source of the hiring manager, I think that um, people tend to have a lot more success using that method. True. And again, I believe that rule because I think there was a seventy percent uh, of the hires are done, you know, via referrals. All the rest of it come from recruiters. Mm -hmm. My question to you, you know, during your time as a recruiter, does that negatively affect you know the recruiting uh, professionals of sorts because the the you know the team is finding out candidates by themselves, or does that make your work easier? So you, I'm sure it could potentially be different at different companies. Um, but for right. me, because I was working in-house, essentially, I was working at a company and recruiting people for that company, so not an agency. Right. So in that capacity, it made our lives okay. so much easier when the team was finding their own <laughs> candidates. Because the recruiters are held right. to a quota for how many people get hired. And at least where I was working, okay. um, it didn't matter where the candidate came from. It was like, as long as someone's getting hired into that role and it's your role, you're going to get credit. So it was actually really, really nice when the teams would say, hey, we found this person. We know them from wherever yeah. we want to interview right. them. So on the recruiting side, you're like, great, let's set it up. That works awesome for me. Because right. I think, again, that, that helps to a point because the team likes them. So they know they are a fit. So rather than you trying to fit in the puzzle, I guess, as a recruiter, that makes it you know that much more easier that they already have an existing relationship. Yeah. So. That's yeah. Wonderful. And I'll add to that, that there were quite a few scenarios where candidates would get passed from the team to me to do, to go through the process and do an initial screen so we could get their background down on paper and stuff. And I would get candidates from the teams and on paper, these people would not necessarily be what we were looking for all the time. And so I think that's okay. a really huge testament to the fact that people hire candidates that they know that they like and that they trust. And I I saw that multiple times where I'm like this isn't even what we're looking for and then the team would just love them because they they knew them from a different okay. role, from a different company, they trusted them already. And so their okay. background and them having the perfect background didn't matter as much if the team already liked them and trusted them. So I think that's a great point for people who are making career transitions is that that connection mm -hmm. piece goes so much further than submitting your application a hundred times when you're already not the perfect candidate, right? Correct. And I think that's what a lot of people approach it 
as a numbers game and just you know apply when you would be more focused if you reach that you know five people and actually build a relationship there so definitely thank you for you know attesting yeah. that uh building off of uh, what you said uh the people like you know now with your current business uh, are you mostly dealing with say new grads or is it people who are you know transitioning in their career what's the general demographic yeah so i am focused on supporting people that are making career transitions so i'm working with people okay. that at least have a couple years of experience and most of the people um don't like their current position that they're in for whatever reason. I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot, right? We all find ourselves in a career and we're like, "Wait, how did I end up here?" Um obviously I have my own story of that scenario, but so I'm focused on helping people with the career transition and I'm also focused on helping people find a job that they are going to love. So I know that there are some other career coaches that are focused more on speed, like I can find you a job in right. like so many yeah, months or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. which again is awesome in other capacities my yeah. personal focus is helping people find something that they're really going to enjoy even if it takes a little bit longer okay so that that initial process like say they come to you and they have an idea of what they want but maybe they aren't clear do you have a lot of clients like that who maybe know that they don't like they know what they don't like but they don't know what they yeah. do like you have yeah, kind of yeah that. yeah i definitely um work with a bunch of people in that capacity those are some of my okay. favorite people to work with because they're a blank slate right <laughs> for the most part or maybe they have right. an idea but they're still interested in exploring what that looks like um i would say sometimes i get people who are a little bit further in the process where they want to start at like the resume piece or the interviewing piece which is also fine um but i think there's a lot of value at really in starting at the beginning and getting clear on what are my values so this is something that i work on with people in my vision clarity sessions are like what are the patterns of my life what are the patterns of work that i've enjoyed in the past what do i find valuable what do i find exciting and enjoyable and then really getting clear on what those values and those i call them personal themes what your personal themes are and then we use those as we start exploring different career options and instead of trying to fit yourself into the career the questions then become does this career fit my personal themes and does it fit who i am as mm-hmm. a person and what's going to make me happy and since you have your own journey to fall back to you know to to show them that i guess it makes it that much more relatable to them yeah. so that's great okay so uh, in terms of work life balance for you you know yourself when you are you know comparing it cuz you've molded a career that you truly enjoy so as compared to say how you had it before where you were recruiting and well you know doing everything related to recruiting as compared to now how has the work life balance changed um that i'm obviously sure you enjoy it a lot more but how is that process yeah, changed yeah that's a great question um it's so different so different yeah. <laughs> and it's been hard it's been hard to manage um you know when i was okay. working in the corporate world i would go into the office right. we were kind of flexible but i would show up at 8 i'd be there till like 5 okay. or later sometimes um and that was obviously the standard it was like a monday through friday type of job um and so moving mm. into being on in moving into being an entrepreneur um there was no schedule it was all up to me right. and the other thing was like i wasn't going anywhere like waking up in the morning there wasn't okay. an office to get to anymore um there wasn't anyone expecting me anywhere um it was all just right. completely on myself and so this is something that i've had to be really careful to manage because my work now is something like you said that i really enjoy and I also mm-hmm. just like have kind of a workhorse personality where I'm just like it's like that little achiever voice that's like must be working on something at all times. I definitely right. have that internal right. voice. And so it's I haven't burnt myself out, but I would say that that has been like the direction that it's been going in at times. Um and the way that it shows up and so I'm starting to become more aware of like the warning signs of when I'm not taking good enough care of myself 
is when I don't want to take on clients. Like I had a period a couple months ago where I was like, no, I don't want any more. I can't handle this. And it really had nothing to do with the clients. It was all about me not taking care of myself. And so the solution to that was creating boundaries with my working time. Um, So what I'm doing now is that I don't start work until 10 a.m. So I get up at 8 a.m. And I have about two hours to like wake up, do a little yoga if I want, like meditate. I like to do um, tapping. And so I take that time in the morning and I strictly don't start working until 10 a.m. So I've been good about that one. I've been trying to like time block. Um, I'm still trying to really master that because like I said, it's easy to just keep going, especially when I'm excited about something to just like work on it all night. So I really have to be careful not to let my working hours get out of control. And I think when, when you are a one person business, you you start off with that, that, you know, you're not answerable to anyone, but then you are accountable for so many Mm -hmm. things. So uh, a definite point about, you know, time blocking and doing this. And that's, that's, I have tried doing that, but I don't look at my phone for two hours in the morning. It doesn't work when you're so, you know, dependent on clients who are on the East coast sometimes because yeah. I live in the West, but yeah, that is a procedure that I do want to try and follow. So again, yeah, thank you for sharing that. What are, you know, the different sort of tools you use um, to set up the business, to interact with your clients? How, how does that work? Yeah, by tools, you mean technology pieces, right? Yes. Okay. Um, So I use G Suite. So I have um, Gmail. I use Google Drive for absolutely everything, all of my documents. Um, I do webinars sometimes, so I use Google Slides for those, which has been great. Um, I use Zoom for all of my meetings. Okay. It's been really good. Um, Also recording I do interviews myself of other career professionals. And so I use Zoom for that. Um, I use Acuity for scheduling. Nice. Um, It has been really amazing to just like send people a link and they can pick a time on my calendar. So that's like been super key. And then I use Kajabi for all of my website, all of my landing pages, um, to host my email community. Pretty much um, everything in my online business is run out of Kajabi. Out of Kajabi. Okay. And I I think most of the entrepreneurs I speak to, you know, speak highly of G Suite and about how everything is pretty pretty much available in one place. So definitely. Thank you for that. As compared to Acuity, I think there's Calendly, there's there's a bunch of them. But is Mm -hmm. Acuity, like, have you used the other ones or is it preferred? So I actually haven't. I know that Calendly is like, um, one of the main competitors, obviously. And that was right. kind of, I'm trying to remember why I picked Acuity. That was okay. the reason. I don't remember. Yeah. It was a year and a half ago. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. But but it's worked out well. It's not giving yeah. me issues. So yeah. Why, yeah. why change it? Makes yeah. sense. Okay. And Kajabi, you mentioned how it takes care of your website, landing pages, etc. Uh, even with email. So instead of MailChimp, you use Kajabi. What else do you use it also as your CRM or... Is that done separately, for example? Yeah. So all of my emails and all of my, what would go into a CRM is inside of Kajabi. So I have all okay. of my client information, everyone who's purchased coaching coaching packages for me or like my online course, all of that is right in Kajabi too, which is really nice. Right. And Kajabi also has coaching, plat- like it has a coaching platform of its own? Um. So... No, it's more for like online courses. So I have like different modules and stuff in there. Um, And then I just run. So I use Stripe. I guess that's another technology that I'm using to take payments from people. But all of um, all of that is integrated with Kajabi. So it tracks all of that for me, which is nice. Understood. And Stripe just works in the US. So does that work in other places too? Because I thought it was US specific. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. But then your clients are, you know, based in the U.S., so it doesn't matter. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In in terms of, uh, again, this is a very general question, but in terms, because, you know, clients, you're working with the whole of the U.S., they come from different parts of the country. Do you notice certain things, you know, common? Like when, when I was applying, I remember in Montreal, there seemed to be a general theme of, you know, the, the way they expected a job 
uh, you know, titles to be, job profiles to be, etc. There was a different expectation in Vancouver. Does that factor in when you're coaching with these folks? Or again, is it just about the networking aspect? So I actually help my clients to use networking to get all of those answers. Okay. So a lot of the work that I'm doing is teaching people how to do informational interviews. And so for anyone who doesn't know what an informational interview is, it's basically the process of reaching out to someone who has a career that you would want and that you're curious to learn more about and asking them to chat about it. And so one of the big things that I help clients with is crafting um, really thoughtful questions to ask in these informational interviews. And so Mm -hmm. that's a perfect question for informational interviews is like, what do I need to be putting on my resume that's like area specific? Like what are your teams at your company looking to see on my resume? And so Mm -hmm. I don't have to have all the answers, I guess you could say, because how could I? I couldn't. There's no possible way. Yeah, yeah, my strategy is really to help people find those answers for themselves. Understood. Yeah, that's, I think, again, I did not have a coach, but that's the strategy I approached when, you know, I moved over to Vancouver because your thought process as a consultant is to then reach out to other consultants, ask them, you know, if if they have, you know, 15 minutes to spare, ensure it is 15 minutes and then, you know, put in whatever questions you have, structure them. So definitely a great approach as, you know, you're uh, just uh, reiterating. Yeah. Let's get back to the business. So again, you know, it, it seemed like, you know, you decided, you set out on this path and you went ahead with it. But for a lot of people starting out a business, that's a big leap of faith. They need to ensure their capital is in place. They need to ensure their business plan is in place. What were the steps you had uh, in, in those terms, you know, before you went out on this path? Yeah. So I started, like officially started my business while I was still working in corporate. Um, The very first step for me was hiring a business coach because I knew that I know how to get people jobs. That's what I'm good at. That's my expertise. I knew nothing about business. I was like, I have no idea where I would find clients. I have no idea like how to take money from them. Like I have no idea how to do any of this. And so the very first step for me was hiring a business coach. And that was the smartest thing that I could have possibly done. Because when you hire a coach, you're kind of, you're paying for either like speed and like inside secrets, right? Where it's like, I could have figured it out by myself probably, but that would have taken me what like years like (laughs) like there have been so many things that i've learned about um from my business coach and i was surprised to find that like a lot of things were not what i expected to be where i'm like oh my like i never would have come up with this on my own right to pay someone else to give you the secrets has been really really beneficial for me and so i started with a business coach um and started building while I was still in the corporate world. And so the first step for me was building an audience. And I started with um, focusing on my email community, which is awesome. I think that was a perfect first move. Like it worked so well for me. Okay. And so I worked on that for mm, maybe like eight months before I left corporate which I would say is still pretty fast. Right. So this was part of the research process and also, you know, assimilating, building your audience before you actually ventured out on it. Correct? Yes. Wonderful. Okay. And the business coach, was that, you know, someone who's in this particular industry of helping people or were they, you know, in a different industry altogether? Yeah. So my business coach, I'm still um, coaching with her. I'm in like the level two program, I guess you could say at this point, which is awesome. Um, So she helps service-based entrepreneurs. So the vast majority of her people are coaches of one type or another, whether they're a career coach, a fitness coach. We have um, people who do spiritual things in the community, um, lots of different stuff, but it's all None of them are selling a physical product. It's all services. Service-based, understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. And any recommendations on those, you know, for people who are setting out an entrepreneurial journey, any business, not necessarily coaches, but any services that they could potentially, you know, go Google, et cetera, and, you know, check 
any business coaching sites are, are there some like those or is it specific individuals that you targeted i targeted all specific individuals and that was actually okay. how i found my business coach was through once again yes. informational interviewing my favorite thing I'm very passionate <laughs> about it i use it for everything it, it is pretty effective clearly so i get yeah, it yeah it's a great way to get information from you know by making connections and getting real life opinions from people so when i first started getting curious about entrepreneurship i was like okay i need to talk to some entrepreneurs so started googling people but also and i highly recommend this for people too i started talking about what i was up to with everyone that i interacted with so when i would like see different friends of mine i'd be like oh my gosh i'm really excited to learn more about coaching right now do you know any coaches and I think people underestimate the power in sharing that. People think that like, right. oh, well, I don't know anyone in this realm. Like no one else is going to know them either. And that's just like such a lie. And so that was yeah. how um, I found my, one of the people that I networked with. So I had a friend, she was like, I know someone who's a coach here in San Francisco. So then I talked to that woman. That woman was okay. being hosted on another coach's um, an interview kind of like this. I reached out to that coach and then she was like, I think you should check out this program with my current coach who is Shanda Sumter. So she was like, you should go check out Shanda's program. I think it's perfect for you. And so it was like at that point that I had gotten introduced um, to my business coach, which was great because it was a recommendation from someone else. So it was nice to have that validation that someone else had worked with her and been in her space before. So it wasn't just like pulling someone random from the internet, which can still work. But it made me feel better. Um, and then another thing that like two other things that drew me to her coaching program were um, one, she has the life that I want. And I would say that you should always have a coach that has what you want, because why would you take advice from someone who doesn't have what you want? So she's got like this huge business, it's coaching business, service-based, right? Same thing. Um, so that was one thing. And then the other thing was that when her sales team, because I was on the phone with someone from her sales team, was walking me through the process that they would um, coach me on to build my business, uh, it felt like recruiting to me. It was good. They were going to involve like reaching out to a lot of people, making connections with people, people that I didn't know, um, different right. phone calls and stuff. And so as they were explaining that, I was like, oh, yeah, I can do all of that. I'm like, I do that every day right now. And so there was almost like a familiarity, which was another reason that I chose to go with her program, which served me really well. Wonderful. Okay. So, so again, uh, they, you know, this the business coach helped you, you know, with the initial idea, putting that to paper, for example, after that, was there, you know, in the eight months, did you also have to develop a business plan? Is it different when you work with a business coach as compared to uh, obviously, you know, doing it on your own, but a lot of people focus in on, I need a business plan. I need to have this capital, you know, locked in for the next three years. I need to account for the fact that I can go a year without income. Because you built your audience, were these questions sort of put by the sideline? Like, were these as important then? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one thing um, for me and my business in particular, because it is service-based, there wasn't like an initial... Um, amount of money that I needed to front other than coaching. Like I paid for the business coaching and I paid for um, my website service to host all my emails. I actually didn't have a website for a while and it's still like very minimal. Um, so those were the initial costs for me and just like being in the corporate world, that was fine. It wasn't a big deal for me, um, but I didn't have to invest in like equipment or anything, right? There wasn't a ton of investment to make other than the coaching that I was paying for. And I know what you're saying that people like create this whole business plan. Here's where we're going to be. Sure. For me, it's been kind of a free for all a little bit. Um, I've had a lot of fun with it and it's interesting to see, you know, how things have evolved as I've continued to work on them. And it's a lot of new skills that I've had the opportunity to master and like get better at and improve upon. Um, and so for me, it was a lot less structured 
So it was kind of just knowing that I had the money to pay for my coaching and the money to take care of, you know, my personal expenses were kind of the basis of my business plan, I guess you could say. (laughs) Okay. No, no. That's, I think, just about what you need. Like, again, a lot of people get bogged down in the details. You did not. And it clearly panned out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you for sharing that. Uh, What I'm saying is also... I've noticed, you know, in the career coaching or most of the other industries, they seem pretty competitive. So I think, especially for you, you know, branding, I guess, takes on, you know, standing out, takes on a different approach. How does that work for you? Do you have to work? Did you have to work harder at creating a personal brand uh, as compared to the other career coaches out there? How did that process go? Yeah. So one thing that I feel really fortunate about is that my business coach is really focused on abundance. Abundance and generosity are kind of two of the main pillars of her coaching and her whole community is super generous, super um, just of that abundance mindset. And I'm so glad that I initially stepped into that program and got to be part of that community because it has really showed me that there, there are billions of people in the world, right? There are an absolute abundance of people that need help in all sorts of different ways. And especially for something like career coaching, right? Like so many people, and especially now with like the current state of our world, like so, so, so many people. And so that thought is really reassuring to me that I'm like, there are an abundance of people. And another thing that my coach talks about a lot is just the uniqueness of everyone as an individual. And so I might be doing career coaching as Jess and then someone else, Katie, might also be doing career coaching. But Jess and Katie are going to have totally different vibes just because inherently we're different people. And if you think about it, um, you know, when you meet people out in the world, you don't totally vibe and become best friends with everyone. Right. Some people you're like, "Mm, you're nice but we just don't vibe. Right. And I think it's like kind of the same with coaching. Like sometimes you're like, yeah, I really vibe with you as a coach. Like we're really excited to be together. Other times you're like, I trust that you can do your job. Right. But I'm not necessarily drawn to you and your being and who you are. And so I've really just leaned into that a lot as well in just trusting that in me being myself, the right people are going to make it to me. And so I haven't really concerned myself very much with the competition. I definitely have, um, I follow other career coaches, um, see what other people are up to, but I'm not necessarily worried about what they're doing or competing with them, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Yeah, I think there was a saying uh, from Grant Cardone that success is out there for everyone to have. It doesn't really, you know, just because someone else is successful doesn't mean you have to fail. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of different things. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like having those different connections, actually, too, because um, it's been valuable in referring clients to get to the right places mm-hmm. because not everyone that talks to me is the perfect fit to work with me. Right. So. As an example, I had one woman who um, was a higher level executive. She wanted her resume written and she wanted me to write it for her. She didn't want to be involved. She wanted her resume written for her, which is not something that I do. I help people write their resumes. On my end, it's a collaborative process. She didn't want that, which was totally fine. And so I know someone else who's amazing at writing resumes for people. So I was able to send her over to him. He was like, yes, this is my ideal client. Thank you so much. Um, and I think that's great, right? Cause I want to work with people that I can actually serve. I'm not going to pretend, well, I'm, I could have written her resume for her, but it's not what I want to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't enjoy the process exactly. as much because you're doing all the yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. It's not my thing. And this other guy loves it. So I'm like, let's let him do it. He can have the client and we can both be happy. Right. And so it's actually been a benefit for me to friend my competition i guess um and just see them as people too right and try to help people out where i can that that's exactly how i envision the recruiting and the career coaching industry go that you know i guess like everyone sort of interacts and they're like well this is not my type of client this is yours you know that's how it goes that's that's my understanding i don't know how it is but you just you know i I pointed to that so i'm gonna go with it all right 
one more uh, question about uh, the business do you have to now that you have say existing clients and new clients what is the process like? like do you have to divide time between you know approaching new clients the marketing aspect as compared to maintaining the existing relationships like finding the job for them how do you divide that time yeah that's a great question and it kind of circles back to our question previously about me learning how to manage my working hours uh, because you're right. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're totally right that I have these current clients who need my attention and I need to be generating new clients for when these clients find their jobs and move on. And so um, what I'm doing right now, the system that I'm kind of trying out instead of having everything scattered and everywhere, because that was the process that, you know, was not great before. Um, So what I'm doing now is um, a client week, like I'm scheduling all of my current clients. So I meet with them all in one week. I can like do all of that and almost like it helps to have my brain and on one track for the week and then I can kind of let myself Mm -hmm. off the hook of like okay I'm not going to create content this week because I'm focused solely on my clients and all the meetings I have to do and then the next week I'm like okay okay now it's back to content like I need to be writing LinkedIn posts I need to be writing emails I need to be reaching out to people and um doing like networking sales conversations and so it's kind of like the time blocking, but I'm doing it week by week. So that's what I'm currently trying. It seems to be working. So we'll see. <laughs> the client week sounds like a great idea because, again, you have all of them on one page and, you know, it makes it easier that, okay, if I missed out on anyone, now it's, you know, refreshed. So definitely. Okay. Uh, in So, again, I think that's the that's the whole conundrum, isn't it, for any sales uh, sales-based business, service-based business, free versus free. So thank you for iterating that. All right, just two more questions, yin and yang. Uh, what's the, you know, best experience you've had working with a client? You don't have to name names, but the best experience that you've had on this journey. That's a good question. So I worked with a client last year. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, okay. we worked together for six months. And her and I just okay. really vibed with each other. We really got along super well. Um, okay. I loved working with her because she was really ambitious and really driven. And that's typically okay. the type of person that I work with. Um, because again, I mm-hmm. am not in, I can't go on interviews for my clients, right? I can't put in the work for my clients. Sure. So I typically like to work with people who are really committed to doing that work. And she was, and it was amazing. And we had just a really good relationship going back and forth. And um, I got to support her through a lot of mindset pieces, which I loved that I kind of mentioned before, dealing with that rejection, dealing with feeling like, oh my God, is this ever going to happen? You know, something that comes up for a lot of job seekers. And so it was fun because she was in a really kind of down period, like, oh my God, is this ever going to happen? I said, okay, when do you want to be in your new job? And she said, I want it to be December. So I was like, okay, that's like, we're putting that out into the universe. She's going to be in her new job by December. And she started her new job on December 2nd of last year. Okay. So, Right. It's the same like when you started out, when you started telling people out, I think she did the same when she decided on December and probably said that, that clearly Comple- worked out for her. Completely. Sweet. Yeah. And so that was super fun and okay. exciting. She got um, a huge pay raise, which was awesome. She like negotiated a little extra money for herself, which was cool. So, and she was like in such a toxic environment in her current position that it was really amazing to see her now transition into something that she's excited about. She gets to lead a team. Um, I got like the most amazing note from her since we've been in these like coronavirus times um, talking about how she's working from Mm -hmm. home. And she was telling me that this situation has just bonded her team even more. And she's like, I can't even imagine like being in my old position through all of this. Like, thank you so much. And that, is so meaningful to me to know that I had a hand and like helping her get there is really, really fun for me. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Okay. And just, you know, the, again, yin to yang, what would you say was one of the not so great experiences uh, that you had? You potentially must have, you know, pushed the client to someone else or something. How did, how did that go about? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of my clients have been really great, but I'll share like, 
as an entrepreneur, I think one of, one of the hardest parts is that it's really just an emotional roller coaster. Like I feel like in one day I can be like on a super high and then the next minute I'm just like, oh my God, like what's happening? Nothing's working. Why not? Why am I doing this? I actually never get to that point because I'm very, I feel very on my purpose. Um, but just, okay. just that sense of like, when is it going to come together the way that I want it to come together? And there's no one, there's no one to blame anything on except for myself. Like I am accountable for everything that is happening because it's a one woman show over here. And so I think that is just like the tougher part of being an entrepreneur is that everything is really unpredictable. Um, there are a lot of things that you try and it doesn't work and it's like getting over. It's kind of like my clients, like they're dealing with rejection from companies and dealing with rejection from like potential clients. Um, so I think that's just like, um, a really important area for managing my own mind and knowing that okay. I'm learning. So it's something that I'm reminding myself all the time. Like I'm just learning. I'm just learning right now. And if I keep going, I have to figure out the way that it's going to work eventually. Thank you so much for sharing that aspect. <laughs> so now let's start a little bit about you because we spoke a lot about your entrepreneurial journey, a little bit about the history. Now, we had mentioned this off topic. We moved from Arkansas to SF. So in regards to SF, is there a favorite place? I mean, mine is Alcatraz, but is there a favorite place in SF that you, you know, like to venture out to? Yeah. Um, so I, and this like sounds cliche or whatever, but I love the Golden Gate Bridge. Makes sense. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> and every time I drive by I'm just like so enchanted by it all over again where I'm like, no matter how many times I see it, like I just love it with like the red and the blue water and the background of the bay. It's just so beautiful. It's my favorite. But that's the thing. I lived in SF for a bit, but that always seems packed though around, you know, around Golden Gate. Yeah. So do you enjoy looking at it from the view or do you actually enjoy driving over there? More the view, the overall view. And I oh. live um, over in the Richmond district so we're by okay. Baker Beach, which is really nice, too. It's nice. another good view of the bridge. Okay. So you have the beach around. You have a good view of the bridge. It's happy where you're at, clearly. Yeah. Okay. So other than Arkansas and SF, have you lived in other places or, you know, visited other places? Uh, I'm from Minnesota originally. Oh. So okay. born and raised so in Minnesota. I went to school in Wisconsin, which is just right next door. Mm. And then after college, was in Arkansas for a year and a half. And then now I've been in San Francisco for almost five years. Okay. Favorite place to live then? SF, I'm assuming? It's been beautiful. Yeah. I've lived in the city um, this whole time. And so it's the biggest city I've lived in. The only city that I've really lived in. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not a city girl for life. So it's been a good... Okay. It's been a good time for me to live in the city and experience it and like all that it has to offer, but I'll like end up in the suburbs someday. Okay. So <laughs> at least for the, for the, you know, for the near future, you're going to live in the city, but we never know about the, the long-term future. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> all right. So is there a, a song, movie, you know, a podcast that you listen to, for example? <laughs> Gosh, that's a good question. So... I can tell you about some of like the business people that I follow and entrepreneurs. So that'd be great, yeah, for me to learn primarily. Yeah, yeah. So my business idol is Gala Darling. Okay. Um, she works on manifestation and tapping, um, emotional freedom techniques. So it's this process of like physically tapping on uh, meridian energy points in your body and um, it's a calming technique reduces anxiety um, reduces okay. the levels of cortisol in your brain um, the stress hormone so I love her she's amazing she's like a beautiful pink and purple unicorn awesome woman um, and she was like one of the first people that I found who I got really curious about online business because I noticed that she, um, I think I found her probably on Instagram or something. And I noticed okay. that she was selling courses on her website. And I, I, bought, I bought one, right? Cause I was really curious. It was about manifesting money. 
something really fun. And it was an email series. Um, it was 14 emails that you would get in a row for two weeks. And they had like different activities, different videos of her. That's how I found the tapping thing. And it was just such an eye opener to me that I was like, wow, like you can make money sending emails. Like right. what a cool concept. And this was like, <laughs> you know, part of my own entrepreneurial discovery process too. Um, okay. But I love her. I think she's wonderful. Okay. Um, I also follow Brad Yates. He awesome. has like a massive YouTube channel. Um, also super focused on the tapping piece. Um, and then I also love Genevieve Rackham and she's another money mindset coach. And so I follow her on Instagram and I love watching all of her stories. Um, she's just really, really high vibe, really uh -huh. about abundance. And she's always talking about like how much she loves her clients and like how privileged she is to be doing the work that she does. So I really vibe with her energy and it's just really uplifting to me. So those are kind of some of the people that I like following from a business standpoint. Wow, interesting people that I will, you know, have to look out that you follow. Are there other, you know, other than business, are there other things that, you know, you would follow? For example, is it mostly focused on the business and the vibe in general on the topic? Mm -hmm. I would say those are like my go-to people. Um, right. I'm kind of on a Lady Gaga kick right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> I watched A Star is Born, um, something, okay. obviously, and I've been watching some interviews that she's done, and she's, like, a really big advocate for mental health, and mm -hmm. that is amazing, and I watched Oprah interview Lady Gaga, actually, earlier this week on Oprah's um, 2020 Vision Tour, I think is what she's calling it, and it was okay. an amazing interview, amazing interview. Mm -hmm highly recommend it. And like, I would love for that to be part of my own personal stand in the future is like sharing about like how I have a therapist, right. And how I think that it's so beneficial for so many people and just removing some of that stigma around like you're broken if you go to therapy or like you should be able to figure it out on your own. And I realize I'm talking about a lot of like, um, kind of like mental health manifestation woo woo things but that's definitely the way that me personally i like definitely lead inching towards that direction right. in my personal life yeah and just like how i'm managing my business and stuff and i i see how that even ties into you know how you mentioned the leadership management and you know mental health is a big aspect of it so yeah i think i think you're on the right track i don't know if, how many people agree because you know there are different stages in their career mm -hmm. but i definitely value that aspect Okay. What's the one thing that you've learned as an entrepreneur that you never thought you would learn otherwise? Mm. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun being an entrepreneur. And I think um, I definitely like did my research getting into being an entrepreneur. And the reason that I moved in this direction, which I mentioned was to work with people one-on-one -on -one and build those relationships. But I've okay. actually found that there are a lot of other aspects that I really like. Like I really like writing. And okay. I get to write a ton of emails now. And so that wasn't necessarily something that had been top of mind for me, um, okay. but it's been a lot of fun. And I think just the freedom to do whatever I want is amazing. It's something I really value. Like I only work on projects that I want to work on. And that that has been like so fun. And I think just the fact that I'm like, oh, I could be good at this has been like kind of surprising realization because like I said, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur coming out of this college. Part. Yeah, I was like determined to climb the corporate ladder. I was going to like be a manager in corporate. So it was kind of surprising to me. So yeah, even a career shift like this, because it, it does help with, you know, your confidence too, because you're enjoying what you do, you're selecting. So while you are accountable for everything, you, you know, you're clearly having fun. So yeah. thank you again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So speaking of having fun, what's a favorite hobby? Um, I love reading. Okay. I love working on different art projects. Hmm. So I like... Um, making dream catchers, yarn weaving, some little like ink paintings. I love writing. So I love journaling. Um, it's really fun for me too. Oh, I was curious. Is that ink paintings? What are those like? Um, so they're abstract. <laughs> it's okay. called alcohol ink. And so it's kind of this fun little thing that you can do with, you have to get special paper for it. 
Um, oh, but okay. it's like ink that you can put on and you put rubbing alcohol on there too. It's really strange, kind of obscure, but it's really fun. And it's like mm -hmm. um, blowing the ink around to make different patterns and stuff. So, yeah. It sounds, sounds yeah, pretty relaxing, I guess, and yeah. also interesting. So. Yeah, it's really fun. I will say I have gotten somewhat away from my creative efforts in okay. starting my business. And so that's something that I would love to like reincorporate into my life too, as I get better at managing my time. Okay. All right. Again, sounds like, you know, you're very well balanced in, you know, in this process of you know creativity and uh, evolution uh speaking of a time when what was the longest day you've ever worked like it could be multiple days but the longest you've worked as an entrepreneur or you know in uh, in a corporate job gosh you mean for like how many hours or what do you mean how many hours yeah yeah like i, I once did this was in college i know for a project i think i'd I was awake for 56 hours and then slept for 18 hours straight. So, you know, something <laughs> like that. <Yeah. laughs> I can't, I would not recommend that to anyone, no. but yeah, I did that one. That's so funny. Um, so I'd say like in my entrepreneurial life in December of last year, I was committed to creating an online course and the way that I created it was by recording it live. And so I had um, 10 different people that joined the live recordings. And so that would happen every Sunday for five Sundays in a row in December. And I had no content started before that. So on one hand, it was amazing accountability because I was like, okay, these people are going to show up and I have to have something prepared to teach them. Um, so on one hand, that was great. On the other hand, I was like, I will never do this again because I literally worked myself into the ground to complete right. all of that so it's kind of underestimating how much time it would take to put together to create content. the content the i had like a whole powerpoint slide deck that i was going through and just all of those different pieces it was so much so it was a great learning experience for me um okay but yeah i think one of the key takeaways was like i get to create space to sleep and take care of myself and do things outside of working right <laughs> okay no, it makes perfect sense. So speaking of content creation, I know a lot of graphic designers, writers, etc. They run into, you know, a writer's block. And uh, for, the, for a lot of people, consistency is key. You know, like even you mentioned writing LinkedIn posts. How often do you try and do that? Is there a certain level of consistency or that, you know, the your followers, for, for example, expect this? How does that work? Yeah, so... My content has definitely evolved over the past year and a half. When I first started, it seemed so hard. It felt really hard yeah. to write one email. was like painful. And so, you know, my coach is over here saying like, you need to send like, at that time, it was like at least one per week. And I was just like, oh my God, how am I, how am I going to do that? So I was sending like two per month. Right. Um, and I just it came down to like having a mental block around it. Right. I okay. had a story that it was hard and I was very attached to what the content would look like. I was very attached to making it perfect. I was very attached okay. to like, what are people going to think of this? How's it going to come off? Should I tweak it? Should I not? I need to get feedback. And it's like, when you're making content every day, like that just can't be the process. And so, um, you know, I had, conversations with my coach in our community to get unstuck. And this is um, kind of a newer thing for me as of the last like five months, I'd say that it's gotten a lot easier, a lot, a lot easier. And it's just, this probably sounds so silly to some people, but I literally, I'm like, okay, this is going to be easy. And I sit down and I'm like, this is going to be easy. And then I'm like, what am I inspired by today? And I just let whatever topic come to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes it'll be like a conversation that I had earlier in the week with like maybe one of my clients, mm -hmm. maybe with a potential client. Um, and I don't try to force myself to write about a particular topic. It's more of like being open and like, okay, what, what is inspiring to me today? What do I want to talk about today? And I found that taking that approach because it's work that I love, there's tons of things that I want to talk about. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of my process for sitting down and writing content. But I find that now that I'm like in that content mindset, there's content everywhere. 
So I'm constantly picking up things from little conversations. Like our conversation today, I'm like, okay, I've got all these like different things to write about that we talked about today. And so I have um, a Google Doc where I put down ideas. Storing it in the bank. Yes. Okay. Like five pages. I literally looked at it. It's insane. It's but it's very helpful because when I am feeling blocked, I can just go to the doc and kind of scroll through and be like, okay, what topic is speaking to me today? And usually when I um, am inspired, I'll put down as much as I can so that by the time I go back, it's kind of like, okay, let's just tweak it so that it all makes sense. And then I can send it out. Answer. Again, wonderful approach. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, the sort of, uh, because you speak to so many inspirational people, is that a favorite quote or something you you know often say to yourself? Or is it just like, what do you want today? Yeah, so... I've got a bunch of them. Um, and I like to, I'm looking up because I have a, um, my bulletin boards in front of me. Oh, really? Okay, sweet, yeah. Sweet. And so I like to write my quotes um, up there. And so they change. And my one from this week, it says, when I come from a place of love, I manifest beautiful, incredible things. And that had been like a recent shift for me in realizing that when I'm having sales calls with clients, if I show up with an intention of I'm just going to send this person love, I'm going to do whatever I can to support them. It's not Mm -hmm. about me. It's about them. If I show up in an energy of service, that works so much better in like actually encouraging people to work with me instead of like, okay, I need to like make this sale. I need to get them to be my client. And so it's um, this one in particular, this is like the quote of the week is just remembering to come from a place of love. Interesting. And something we all should think about, you know, rather than a lot of people tend to get very self-critical. So, you know, when you say something like this, I guess that definitely does help. Sweet. Okay. All right. Another sort of aspect I'd like to touch up on is about uh, a thing that I think most entrepreneurs and people working at jobs tend to miss or overlook is the the need, I guess, to to have multiple sources of income or to diversify your wealth. Um, any thoughts on that process? Yeah, I would say I'm still pretty early on as an entrepreneur. And so from my business standpoint, what I'm focused on right now is still mastering, like enrolling people into high ticket offers. So one-on-one coaching, um, I have that piece. And then I also have my online course. Um, so that's something that I would love to build out further, uh, in the future. I would say right now for me, the focus is working with people one-on-one. I would love to have a group program eventually as well. Um, so that I can serve more people at a lower, more affordable price point. Um, so I have different ideas for, you know, how I kind of want to do that within my business. And then I think long-term, like it would be super fun to have like some, properties. I think real estate would be a fun thing to get into. I have met a lot of entrepreneurs who have, um, you know, real estate as part of, you know, their multiple streams of income and it seems to work really well for them. So myself personally, Mm -hmm. very early on, but I, I love the idea of having money coming from different directions because if one thing breaks for whatever reason, you know, you're not totally Mm -hmm. screwed and you've got money coming from other areas too. Because because you work with so many job seekers, I think the primary thing that most people go through whenever they lose their job is this uh, loss of, you know, self-worth. People who have multiple streams, they tend to, I guess, bounce back a little bit sooner. Maybe they won't get the job as uh, as soon as the rest, but at least they, they're not worried so much about, okay, having a roof over their head. So, you know, so hopefully you're able to get to that. Speaking of that, what are the sort of how many clients do you currently work with like uh, together if you want to just lowball a number and what's the plan like say a year down the line or you know what are the goals are looking yeah. like? yeah so i am working with anywhere from like six to twelve clients at a time it's kind of like okay. the amount that i choose to take on um, sure. i would say yeah. that plays into what i just talked about was um if i can move into creating a group program I'll be able to serve like okay. 20 people at a time, 30 people at a time nice. to have multiple groups going yeah. rather than the one-on-one piece. So I think it's all, and I'll probably do all of it at the same time, right? Like I'll take on maybe less one-on-one clients when I'm able to serve people in a group capacity. Sure. Um, sure. But I think it's just that balance of like how I'm, 
how am I spending my time? What is my personal capacity to work with people? Because working one-on-one is really intensive. So part of my package is that I I work with people um, one-on-one. We meet two times a month, but they also have access to me in between our meetings too. So I'm now using Telegram. I guess that's another tech piece that I'm using. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my clients are sending me voice notes. And so I have a client right now. He really wants to practice his interview questions, which I think is amazing. So every day he's sending me a voice note of an interview question and himself answering, right? And so that is intensive with my time. I'm very responsive to all of that. And so I think going forward for me, it's just going to be looking at my own capacity and what's realistic and how I get to serve people in the best way that I can, because I don't want to compromise my service to my clients um, and take on too much. So I think it's just finding that balance. Okay. Yeah. Cause it doesn't like, it doesn't seem like you could automate this because it's very, it's a very personal relationship that all of your clients have with you. So I don't like, I, as you mentioned, maybe if it's in a group, it might get easier to access more people, but again, there can't be elements that you could leave. So, okay. That's, that's great to know. Sweet. But the very basic tip to a job seeker or an entrepreneur. Yeah. I would say for both is get an understanding of how important it is to manage your mind. That is literally everything uh, when it comes to job seekers and entrepreneurs, right? Because if you let all of that like rejection seep in and get you down, like that is going to show up in, you know, how you show up in future meetings, right? So it's like if you're feeling super shitty about yourself and then you go into an interview, like that's probably going to come through. And so the more that you can get um, curious about what you're telling yourself in your head and kind of redirect your thoughts, Mm -hmm. I think that is really the key to job seeking, the key to being an entrepreneur and really just the key to life. Like I'm all about um, being really introspective and seeing what's happening. um, And awareness is the first step in starting to get more control of that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and everything. Just so much fun. (laughs) 